Let us begin our sermon with prayer. O God, who justifies the ungodly and who does not desire the death of the sinner, we humbly ask you in your great mercy that you would work through the words of today's sermon so that we may grow in our trust in your mercy, with the result that we can be ever more confident of our acquittal of our sin. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our text for our sermon is Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 and 13 through 17. To remind you of that account, I will read verses 4 and 5. Now to a person who works, his pay is not counted as a gift, but as something owed. But to the person who does not work, but believes in God, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus, instead of going around Samaria, if you will, does what most Jews didn't do. And he takes the time to sit down, his disciples going into town, and there is a Samaritan woman. Samaritan? They were a cult, brothers and sisters in Christ. They took God's word, they ripped major portions out of it, they only accepted the first five books, they twisted them to fit into their homespun religion. And what is worse, this woman's shacking up. She seems to go through men, and now she's just living with a guy. Maybe she's tired of divorces. Does she deserve salvation? Brothers and sisters in Christ, if we are to ask if somebody deserves salvation, then we have to say, no, all of us deserve hell, for we are all sinners. But instead... This woman is impious. She's irreligious, if you will. She is not quite worshiping the true God of the Bible, and she's not worshiping him in the way his Old Testament had prescribed. Yet Jesus, in his grace, came that day to her to give her salvation, to acquit her of her sins. And as we see in today's text, God acquits the impious, the ungodly, And so we're told in our first verse, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, found according to the flesh? Now here the Apostle Paul is saying the fleshly, the worldly, as opposed to what is spiritual. See, the ways of this world are there's no such thing as a free lunch. If you look at all the man-made religions, you earn your salvation the way you earn your paycheck. So what did Abraham, the father of all believers, find out according to the ways of this world? Indeed, if Abraham's justification came out of works, then he continually has something to boast about. That word justified means to be acquitted. It's even though you and I are guilty of our sins, we can say it's justified not sinned because Jesus bore the punishment our sins deserve. So what did Abraham find? Well, if it was by his works, then he had something to boast about. Look at me. I made my decision for Christ. Aren't I good at making the right decision? Look at me. I listened to the Lord when he told me to go and I loaded up everything. You know what I have found? Our sinful nature wants to boast. It wants to brag about how good a Christians we are. It wants to brag about how religious we are. And behind those brags, it is saying, God owes it to me. Now, obviously, this is contrary to fact. This is not what happened. After Paul says that he has a reason to boast, he says, but not before God. God is the judge. See, God doesn't need our services. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. 
If he needs something done, he can make it happen. So even if Abraham did have a reason to boast, if he was saved by his works, Paul says, yeah, sure, he can boast, but he still can't before, boast before God. And so he says in verse 3, for what does the scripture says? It says, now Abraham placed his trust in God and it was credited to him, resulting in righteousness. Now the inspired Greek here, which is a quote of the inspired Hebrew, has a tremendous word picture here. See, God had not only promised Abraham that all nations would be blessed because of him, he'd be the father of many nations, but there was one particular descendant through whom all nations would be blessed. Now, this defies science, brothers and sisters in Christ. We heard in Genesis 12 when God calls Abraham out, he calls a man who is 75 years old. He will be just short of 100 when he finally has Isaac. This defies science. His wife is past menopause, brothers and sisters in Christ. See, faith is not trusting what makes sense. Faith is not making the logical deduction. Faith is believing in God's word when it defies what the ways of this world. And he believed. Now we've got to remember that faith is God's Holy Spirit in your heart. So even Abraham's faith is a gift. He can't brag, look, Lord, look at how I just tried so hard and I believed. He trusted in the Lord. And it's really neat because the picture is that of somebody like a banker who's got books of your debt. Here's your sin. Here's your sin. Here's your sin. Here's your sin. And the law doesn't say now do these 10 things and remove your sin because once you have sinned, you're unholy. You're supposed to always be doing those things or else you're damned to hell. But Abraham trusted in the Lord because of his faith and God wrote it in the ledger. And what did he write? Righteousness. And the preposition used is really neat. It's credited to him towards righteousness and the result is righteousness. Right then and there, even though if you read Genesis, you'll see Abraham still a sinner. As far as God's concerned, he's righteous. He is credited with the righteousness of that descendant who would come nearly 2,000 years later as God takes on human flesh and lives in our place and takes the punishment our sins deserve. So the apostle continues explaining how our works acting holy enough isn't going to save us. He says, now the wage is not credited to the worker according to an undeserved gift. Rather, it's credited according to a debt. So he makes the comparison of the ways of this world. If I pay somebody to come and shovel my driveway, uh, when they're done, if I go outside and I say, you know what, you really did good work. Here's a gift. I'm such a good guy out of the kindness of my heart. I'm going to give you this two bucks. He's going to say, you cheapskate. We agreed to ten. That was my wages. See, wages are a debt that's owed. You make that agreement. I will work for you in return. You will pay this amount to me. If we want to make our salvation depend on our, on our acting holy enough, on decisions we make, on earning our forgiveness, we're trying to make a deal with God. Let me work for you and you pay me. But God says, I don't need your work. So what does the Apostle Paul say? Verse 5, which is the thrust of our text, yet to the one who does not work and continues placing his trust in the one who justifies the impious, his faith continues being credited to him, resulting in righteousness. A mouthful is said there. 
He justifies the impious. What does that mean? That's somebody who's living without regard for religious belief, for the true religious belief for the Bible. This is an ungodly person. If you were perfectly godly, if you were holy, you wouldn't need to be saved. You would already be saved. And if you could keep the law, you would be saved until you broke the law. Now, what is more, he says, who does not work? And it takes faith not to work, brothers and sisters in Christ. I see my driveway need shoveled either. I've got to pay somebody or I've got to shovel it. I see I need to be saved. And God says, you can't earn it. Once you sin, you owe a debt that can only be paid for with an eternity in hell. And so I have to have the faith and you have to have the faith to trust God's work. It takes trust not to work, to sit idle and say, I know my Savior did this 2,000 years ago. God acquits the ungodly, the irreligious. He didn't save you because he knew you were going to come to church today. He saved you and put it in your heart to come and hear that word of salvation. He brought the word to you and saved you and put it in your heart to keep coming. So yes, you too were one time the impious, the ungodly. So we're told in verse 13, indeed the promise in regards to Abraham and in regard to his seed, that would be the coming seed, the Savior, that he is the heir of creation, did not become Abraham's through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Faith makes you righteous. And again, we can get confused on what faith is. When I was a kid, a very young child, one of my favorite cartoons was Dumbo. And as actually illogical as it was, the idea was Dumbo the elephant had such big ears that if he would just jump, the wind would catch it like a parasail. He could flop him and he could fly, right? But he didn't believe in himself. So the crows give him a feather and he thinks if he's holding that feather, he can do it. And when he does it, everybody screams out, you can fly, you can fly. And we think that's faith. If you just find the strength inside of you and you just die, you just try until there it is there. Now I believe that's not faith. Faith is God's Holy Spirit having worked through the message that God is your righteousness so that he enters your heart and creates that new man, the new man in you is faith. And then, yes, that new man actually does believe. When you have the new man, you have righteousness, Christ's righteousness. And so we're told in verse 14, in fact, if they become so out of law, then faith has been drained of its power and the promise has been nullified. If you can become an heir, a child of God, by doing the works of the law, you don't need faith. And you don't need the promise, the promise of the Savior, the promise of the forgiveness of sins. It's nullified. What's the point? Why would God have to go through all that hassle? We're told in verse 15, in fact, the law thoroughly works anger. That's what the law does. The law says sin, 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 sin. It thoroughly works God's wrath against sin, which ultimately what the law is saying is now you're going to hell. Now you're going to hell. Now you're going to hell. But what does he add in verse 15? Where there is no law, there is no overstepping. Overstepping God's law. There's no transgression or trespass. Christ's blood wipes it off the map. Now for you and I, the law becomes a way to thank the Lord. 
When there is no law, there is no sin. Christ fulfilled the law for you and I. When it comes to salvation, the law doesn't work. Christ works, period. And so we're told in verse 16, for this reason, the promise came out of faith so that it is according to grace, resulting in the promise being certain for all his seed, not only his seed out of the law, but also his seed out of Abraham's faith, who is the father of us all. Mouthful is said there. What is his seed out of the law after God's promise to Abraham and Abraham has Isaac and then Isaac has Jacob and Jacob's sons end up down in Egypt and God leads them out of Egypt after 400 years. He gives them a different covenant. It's not a covenant for salvation. It's a covenant to serve the coming Savior. But that covenant is made on Mount Sinai. You as a nation keep my laws and decrees, not just the Ten Commandments, which were given then. But my laws like ceremonial laws and these things, you'll shine with holiness. And the deal is, I'll keep you as a sovereign, independent nation until the Savior is born among you. Now, they broke that law, but the Savior was still born among them. But the point there is, is as he talked about his seed according to the law, be those that were his physical descendants and, and who had that covenant at Mount Sinai, the Jews. They too can be saved by trusting, but they're not just the descendants of Abraham. What really counts is the faith of Abraham. When the Holy Spirit is in your heart, you are considered a child of Abraham. And the amazing thing is because it's the same Holy Spirit in your heart connecting you as a branch to the same vine that is Jesus Christ. And what does he say about this? He says, so that it's made more sure. It's made certain. Our Bible translation in the bulletin calls it a guarantee. See, this is what makes it certain. If it's the works of your and my hands as Martin Luther struggled with, then when have we done enough? When is the debt paid? But when God gives us faith, we have a guarantee. The God-man did it. It is guaranteed. It's out of our hands. So we don't screw it up. It's in God's hands. And we can be confident of forgiveness and salvation. And so our text ends, just as it has been written, I've established you as the father of many nations. Not only did Abraham physically sire a few nations, but by faith in that salvation that Jesus won for us, that message has gone throughout the whole world and in every country you will find children of Abraham because the true children of Abraham are not those who have his blood in their veins. It's those who have the same faith, trusting that God has wrote on their ledger, their debt, righteous because they have faith in the Savior who is righteous in their place. God acquits the impious brothers and sisters in Christ. Did that Samaritan woman shacking up a member of a cult religion, did she deserve it? Nope. But she got it. She got it by the Holy Spirit working through the word of Jesus. And she was glad to have it. Did you deserve it? Nope. But you've got it. You've got it because Jesus has come and he's put his Holy Spirit in your heart so that you know his righteousness is on your book. You are righteous now and will be forever because of faith in Christ. Amen. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask, think, or do according to his power, work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ our Lord forever and ever. Amen.